Are you guys ready for some word now? Amen. Amen. I'm trying to wrap this. I don't know when am I going to wrap this up. I'm trying to wrap up this series that I started on the Father's love and conflict because he's so awesome. When could you really stop talking about his, his love? Could we really stop talking about his love? I, 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 he's just too awesome to stop speaking about his love. I want to start off with a couple of verses, three verses really. That's going to reveal a little more about who God the Father is. And I'm, I just want to be led, like every week. Um, I can open my Bible and we can start working on some scriptures, which I hope I can do that. But I want the Spirit to really speak to us. Are you guys happy to be here? Amen. Amen. You guys trust that he'll speak into our lives today? Amen. Amen. I'm not just a deliverer. I'm here to receive as well. So don't think I'm trying to impart some. I'm trying to impart to us something that God may speak to all of us amen let's start off with a couple of verses three verses um quickly um I want to start off with um Malachi 3 6 then we're going to read Hebrew 13 8 and then we'll go to Lamentations 3 22 three verses that will just reveal a little more the in-depth of God's heart and mercy for each one of us amen and we thank the family that are watching through YouTube the internet it's awesome and I know that God will also impart a, a word into their lives. Amen. Let's start. You guys want to read this together? Uh, you guys know the title of the message, right? We're speaking about the Father's heart, the Father's love, and conflict. Very conflicting because we talk about, we minister about our Father that's so loving. But sometimes we end up revealing that we're uh, prideful instead of humble before His presence. And you probably ask, why are you saying that, Pastor? Well, because sometimes we talk about his judgment, him being just, consuming fire. But what we say sometimes that the father does to his children is not what we would do to ours. So we tend to rise up and become better than our loving father. There's no way. There's no way that I would never ever hurt one of my kids or judge one of my kids or condemn one of my kids or accuse one of my kids but God does it as a father to us there's no way so this series has to do with revealing really the love of a loving father amen okay lamentations I mean I'm sorry the first the first verse was Malachi 3 6 it says for I am the Lord I change not Say that with me. I change not. Then he says, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Interesting, right? Not consumed because he changes not. Hebrew 13, 8, another important verse, which I think is awesome. And I thank you guys for coming out. This is awesome to have you guys. And, of course, without me, without her, I'm not me. My lovely wife. And we also thank the pastors, the pastoral family of this house, for the opportunity to be able to permit us to impart, amen, to the lives. Hebrew 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forevermore. So God, the Father, and Jesus don't change. They're the same. We all agree? 
God the Father and Jesus the Son are both the same. The Holy Spirit came when Jesus departed to reveal the heart of the Father through the Son. Right? That's what he did in Jesus' ministry. When Jesus, is, Jesus leaves, he says, I must go because now I'm going to send another comforter. For what? Because now he's going to reveal the Son through you. Why? Because according to Romans 8.19, all creation is groaning, waiting to see the manifestations of the sons. Why? Because just like the Holy Spirit through Jesus revealed the heart of the Father, revealing now the heart of Jesus is portraying the heart of the Father through the church. So he says, you're not consumed because I don't change. Oh, you guys are not hearing me. We're not consumed only because he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him, and without him nothing that was created was created. In him was life, and the life became the light of men. Light and darkness sh shines, and darkness cannot prevail. In that word, verse 14, became flesh. Jesus became flesh. Why was Jesus not easily received during his time? Because that's not the same. In other words, he didn't portray the father that supposedly they knew. First, they didn't know him as a father. They knew him as God. Jesus trying to reveal a father to them. They saw him as God, but not the God that the Bible teaches. It's the God that they thought, based on what they heard, his nature was totally perverted. That's not the nature of the true and loving Father, our God. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the heart of the Father. And I want to just, one more verse, Lamentations 3.22. And I'm going to use this verse just so you, to give some more strength to Malachi 3.6, because it's Old Testament. And it says this, it is of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed because his compassion fails not. Wow, that's something. To wow, Lord. You mean to say we're not consumed? No, you're not consumed. You're not consumed. I said it is consumed at the cross. It is finished. That means consumed. I consumed it all on the cross. So you would never feel that it's me, God, hurting you ever again. It was never God, and it's never going to be God. Our wrongdoings have consequences. But it's not God bringing about the consequences. It's just our wrongdoings. When you know you're righteous, you stop sinning. But you need to know you're righteous. I love this verse in Second Corinthians, in First Corinthians, I believe is, yeah, First Corinthians fifteen thirty four says, "Wake up to righteousness and sin not." The reason we continually sin is because we're not woken up. He gave you a word, but unless you wake up, you won't see the other side. Let's pass over to the other side, and Jesus slept. 
He gave the word. Why don't you get to the other side? Because my righteousness is sleeping. Lord, do you not care that we perish? Oh, 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 wait, wait. So you were sleeping. That's why you have fear. If you wake up, your righteousness, you'll sin not. Let's see if we can get into the word. That was word, but let's see if we can get into our message. Thank you, Holy Ghost. These verses are important. We're talking about, like I said, the Father's heart and conflict. It's conflicting because we tend sometimes to misinterpret his love. And we accredit our consequences to our wrongdoings to God. Well, God knows what he's doing. And we started off with the book of John, 1 John. And I love the book of 1 John because 1 John reveals God in noun form. John, 1 John 1.5 says that God, this is the message. What's the message? God is light. And there's no darkness whatsoever in him. None. This is the message. John is saying, I know the message. I don't know what message you've heard, but I've heard, I know the message. Remember, this is the John that his name reveals grace in the Greek. Gracious. The law was given, but grace came. This is the John that was leaning on his bosom. Remember that? You guys remember? We spoke about that. I don't want to backtrack because then I'll, I won't be able to develop this message. But John is saying, this is the true message right here. I know the message. Maybe you don't know the message, but I'm telling you, I know the message. He's saying this because of the time frame where he was living. The message that other disciples were portraying was not the same message. Paul knew a message that Jesus' personal disciples didn't know. Paul said, if I knew him according to the flesh, I don't know him like this anymore. Why? Because you guys knew him according to the flesh and you still didn't interpret him correctly. I did. I know him in the spirit. In the spirit, he's not what you think. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. That's what it says. And then it tells you in 17... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. You shouldn't be seeing Jesus based on how the disciples interpreted Jesus. Let's see him based on how Paul revealed him. Paul revealed Jesus. Remember, he's the disciple that wrote a whole chapter on love. No other one did. He knew Jesus. Listen, when Jesus resurrected, he appeared in another form according to Mark 16, 12. And the disciples, two disciples that were descending to Emmaus did not know him. What happened? Because in the form he came was not the form that they were used to seeing. Sometimes he's going to reveal himself in another form. That way you, can, you don't interpret him based on what somebody else told you about him. We're living in a blessed time. A blessed time. Time and age. And one thing we must do as Christians and believers is keep this verse registered in our spirit. 1 Peter 3.10. In order to love life and see good days. 
Keep your tongue from speaking evil. That word evil is, I love it because that word evil means from a bad nature. You have a new nature. Yes, but I have residue of a bad nature that are affecting my ears through my surroundings. And now I don't see based on what he sees. There's times that we have to change even our environment, our surroundings, because they're affecting my ears. Okay, help me, Lord. John 1 and 5 says, this is then the message, or this is the message which we have heard of him and declared unto you that God is light and there's no darkness at all. I love the last part of that verse. At all. No darkness. But to some of us, unfortunately, it seems like God has a dark side. Why? Why do we think he has a dark side? He don't have no dark side. John knew the message. This is the John that ran to the tomb with Peter. But he didn't have to go into the tomb. He said, Peter, you walk in, man. You're the one that needs a confirmation. I know. I know you don't know Peter, but I know. Remember, Peter represents the law, and you know what Peter did? The last miracle of Jesus prior to the cross is in John 18, verse 10. Peter took out his sword, and the Bible says he cut the ear of Malchus. Jesus took the ear welded it back into his head <laughs> that awesome that was the last miracle before the cross but what's interesting is not the miracle what's interesting is what peter did peter represents the law because his name means rock stone watch this took out a sword representing the word cut the ear of a man named malchus which means potential king if i can cut his ear to cut means to poison in the Greek. Poison like a scorpion. In other words, I'm going to poison your ear so you won't hear. And you will never develop. Develop your potential as a king. So John says, listen man, you're the ear cutter. You need to go in. Because the work is finished. You need to stop this nonsense, Peter. Ten years after Jesus resurrects, God has to reveal himself to Peter and say, I want you to saw some animals coming down from heaven. You, said, you know the passage. Chapter 10 of Acts. He says, um, kill and eat. Peter said, kill and eat. Man, nothing worldly has come in my mouth. Are you crazy? What do you mean kill and eat? He goes, don't call worldly or unclean what I've cleansed. Hours later, go preach to a Gentile that you see as an animal because I care for him, okay, just like I care for you. Sometimes we don't realize the heart of a loving father. He only cares for believers. Who, who said that? First John chapter 2, you know what it says? He didn't only do propitiation for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He cares for all of them. Have you guys ever read John 3.16? I'm sure. God so loved the world that he gave him son, his son. 
But then you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and it says, Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church. I gave himself for it. Wait, wait. I thought you loved the world, but then here you say you love the church. Yeah, I, lo I love the world. I died for the world to take out a church from the world and send her back into the world to reveal who I am. Sometimes we don't realize that love. I'm trying to portray a little bit through Scripture the love of a loving father. How much he cares for us. He cares for the world, not just believers. If we portray Jesus to the world, there's no room in the church for people to congregate. Because all creation is groaning, expecting to see the manifestation of the sons of God. They want to see us, the Christ in us manifested. A loving father revealed. Not just I'm a Christian when I'm in church. Hallelujah, bless the Lord. But when I'm outside of the church of four walls, what happens when they, hey man, get out the way. Who you? Come on, I've been around Christians holy in church. And outside, they don't know I'm a pastor. And they don't look at me. That's the man that was raising his, his hands in church. That's the man that said, God bless you in church. That knows protocol in the church but don't know the voice of the king. Are you the Samuel that knew everything about the service? How to do protocol. You know how to turn on the candles. You know how to, you know everything. You know the time to turn off, turn on. You know everything. But you became a professional Christian. In the church and outside of the church, you're not because the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, he did not know the voice of God. When you know his voice, your bones have to tremble like Job inside of you because i thought he was bad but he is a loving father in job 42 there's a verse that i love this from verse 5 and on it says that job god reveals to job and says listen job those three friends of yours i'm against them i'm totally upset again why are you upset they're my they're my friends yeah but they never reveal to you how good of a father i am and I'm totally against them. You heard me from your ears, but now you've seen how good I am. You heard, but you never could see because who spoke to you didn't speak about my goodness. I need somebody to speak to my ear and tell me how good my father is. Do you really love me? Do you really care for me? Yes, I do. Well, that's not what it seems like because... Believers around me are not portraying that goodness. Every time I talk about my downfalls, they're saying God is judging me. You're accusing me. You're condemning me because of my wrongdoings. No, maybe my wrongdoings are drawing consequences, but not me as your father. I'm crying out for you not to make another wrong move because there's consequences. When we talk about 1 John 1, 5, that reveals life. God, I mean, as light. 1 John 3, 14 reveals God as life. And 1 John 4, 8 reveals him as love. 
These are nouns. The problem we have is we put God's love in conflict or reveal that his love is in conflict because we talk about light, life, and love, but then we say that God is consuming fire. He's just, brother. You can't fail him that way. He's going to get you. He's out to get you. But then we go to Zechariah on the screen, if you can, please. Zechariah 7, 9, and it reveals God's justice. The way God judges is not the way you and I judge. Look at this verse, Zechariah 7, 9. If you, we can get that on the screen, it'll be awesome so you guys can see it. We can see it together. It says, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, execute true judgment. Okay, how I do this, Lord, and show mercy and compassion. What's God's judgment or justice? To troll, show true mercy and compassion. Are you guys hearing me? You're, you got, my family's probably saying, he's slow today. No, I'm not slow today. I want to make sure this goes straight inside our spiritual man. And it enlightens us and transforms us. So we won't act the same any longer. So that's why I'm going slow. You guys got to keep me in check with the time, please. Keep me in check. And sometimes, you know, one of the things that affects the body of Christ that when we don't have a response and for the questions that people ask concerning God's love, we tend to use one famous verse that we all know. Isaiah 55, 7. 55, 8. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And you know, we only read one verse there, but when we read verse 7, it says, he says to the wicked, first of all, you're not wicked. He's speaking to the wicked and saying, listen, I'm more merciful than you. Why you don't come into my ways and my thoughts? So you won't act the way you act. It's the misinterpretation that's causing us to project a loving father as evil. We need to understand he's loving. He cares for every one of us. Just think about it. When we were just sinners, he died. That's enough to say, wait, but I was a sinner. Why you die for sinners? Because I care for you. I mean, you can't contradict that. that uh, he loves me, but I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter what you are. I still love you. And I'm going to show you my love. Because I do not, do not change. You haven't been consumed. My mercies and my compassion towards you is what's stopping you from being consumed. Sometimes we tend to think that God doesn't need us. Yes, he does. He don't need us. Yes, he does. Why? Because who is he going to share his love with? Yes, Ernie, Pastor Ernie's slow today. Let me give you a little slight revelation here that I think will open up our understanding a little more. You know, there's times in the Bible where Jesus three times, specifically three times, went to do certain miracles. And he took Peter, James, and John in that order. Peter means rock, stone. Jacob means supplanter 
or remover. You must keep this in mind. Supplanter or remover. You got to get this. And John means grace. In other words, I'm taking three because I'm trying to get a hold of a revelation to leave written for my children that are to come. They need to understand my goal was to always take the law and supplant it or remove it and replace it with grace. Grace, we call it unmerited gift, right? That's what we call it, right? Because that's what the Greek, but the Greek is deeper than just an unmerited gift. The word grace originally means divine influence upon the heart, revealed or projected through life. So it's not just that it's unmerited, it's that I'm supposed to project the unmerited gift towards others. If he gave it to me, I want to give it to her, to him. I want to give it, I want to share it because it's for all. It's a free gift. Are you with me? In Mark chapter 5, it says that Jesus... One of the miracles that he took the disciples was when he took Peter, Jacob, or James, and John to Jairus' daughter that was dead. Took them three. Second miracle in chronological order. Now, this is chronological order. We have it in Mark chapter 9. And then we have the last one in Matthew 17, where he takes all three of them. In Mark 9... The interesting thing is this. You got to keep this because this is going to stay in this order. Mark 9, transfiguration. The mountain of transfiguration, remember? You got to keep this. Watch this. Where now Moses and Elijah appear to him. But he took them three. And the last is Matthew 17. I mean, I'm sorry. That's also Matthew 17. Mark, Matthew 26, where he goes to the Gethsemane. Remember Gethsemane? He goes into Gethsemane and he takes, he goes in, leaves some disciples out here, takes Peter, James, and John a little further in. Then he goes alone into that deep place with God. I'm going to explain why. We're going to see it from... Reverse forward, okay? From the back end to the beginning. Matthew 26, he supplanted the law, watch this, with grace by revealing the price he paid. Because in Matthew 26, he's crying out to the Father because he's about to encounter the cross. Very important. So here he takes Peter, law, that's going to be supplanted by grace. Follow me. The next miracle in the order that I want you to receive the revelation is Mark 9. He's in the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, Matthew 26, I'm revealing that this is the pain that I'm going to go through. I'm going to feel departed from the Lord or separated from my father, although my father did not reveal that to the church. But I feel this way because that's how Adam felt. But God never despised the afflicted one, according to Psalms 22, verse 24. And that's where the quote comes in verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I didn't forsake you. That's how you felt because you're dying in the place of a man that felt rejected by me. That I never departed from you, Adam. 
you felt that way. I never saw you even naked, but you saw yourself naked. And in Mark 9, which is Matthew 27, the reason he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, because he's saying because of the death, I only, I'm only dying because I want you to hear me. Why? The Bible says that Peter, James, and John were there, and suddenly Peter said, Lord, you want us to make three tents, one for each one of you? And a cloud came and separated them. Jesus and the disciples and Moses and Elijah. And said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Are you seeing what he's doing? In other words, what he's doing is this. I'm supplanting the law with grace. Or replacing the law with grace. So you can know that I paid a price for you. First of all. Second of all, so you know that I want you to hear me, and third and last. He goes to Jairus' house and resurrects his daughter. He takes Peter, James, and John. Why there, Pastor Ernie? Because on his way there to Jairus' house, he found, he encountered a mother that had issue of blood. She was bleeding for 12 years and the little girl that he resurrected was 12 years could it be that God's trying to get you to understand that unless the law caused this woman to have issues of blood listen to me Isaiah 64 6 says that your works of righteousness are like filthy rags. Filthy means the blood shed that produced death in the Hebrew. And rags means the month. No, I can't say that. You know what I'm talking about, woman. You work so hard, but you only produce death. Now your daughter's dying. But I give you hope. I'm going to take Peter, the law, James to supplant it, and John with grace so your daughter can live. I need your daughter to live. He's thinking about the future. We're thinking about the now. He's thinking about the future. The next generation, what's going to happen with them if we don't portray a loving father? What's going to happen to them? Think about it. What's going to happen to our children if we just bring them to church and we don't portray the love of a loving father? That he paid a price in order for them to live. Woman, you were dying only because the works of righteousness. But I have news for you. I'm giving you the gift of righteousness so your kids can now live. Are you guys with me? You guys got to stop me. What's my end time here? I, don't, I need to know. Where, where? Three minutes? Uh, she said three minutes. I got to start the motor now, man. This is something very important. What happens, and I'll wrap it up with this, and we're going to continue. We have all month to break this down. We're going to continue on this. What happens when you only have James and John and you don't have the law to supplant with grace. This is what happens. Listen to me. Luke 9, 54. And when 
his disciples, James and John, saw this, that Jesus was not being received while on his way to Jerusalem. They said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did? What happens when the law is not supplanted by grace? You end up thinking that you have authority to hurt people, to consume others. Are you guys hearing me? I want you to see this. This is very important because we're talking about the love of the Father in conflict. The law has been supplanted. But when you remove the law and just keep supplanted in grace without supplanting the law, this is the reaction. Oh, that's what he's going to go through. God's burning him for what he did. God's getting him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, listen, God's given us a gift and our gifting should not be used wrongfully. Elijah had just, I said this a couple of weeks ago, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, immediately after he prepared the altar for the sacrifice that God consumed, he said, fire come down, fire came down. He used his authority, his gifting, to then in the same chapter later on, descend fire from heaven to consume man. Humanity that God so much loved. In the New Testament, now you got the disciples telling Jesus in John chapter 9, Lord, you want us to do the same thing Elijah did? Jesus says, hey, whoa, slow down. You don't know what spirit am I from. Listen, my spirit did not come to consume man, but to give them life. This man, Elijah, did not know a heart of a father. He only knew a God in a perverted way. We're talking about the love of the father in conflict. This is conflicting. Why is it conflicting? Because we're going to see verses next week that you're going to say, wait, but how about this verse? Well, let's see the verse in the context and see if God is evil. He's a loving father. He cares for you, for me, and he cares for everyone in this place. Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He is so awesome. God is so awesome. He is just so awesome. And loves us so much. Jesus could not be well received because God did not change and he revealed that. Wait, you cannot. Wait, wait. No, there's no way. You can't be like him because the God that I know in the Bible didn't do what you do. You have mercy on sinners. Man, you touched the lepers. Man, you worked on the Sabbath day. Uh-uh, that's the law. Wait, God never wanted to give them a law. Moses demanded a law because of the people. God said, bring them all to the mountain. Moses, the people said, no, 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 Moses. You go to God. You tell him to tell us what to, what to do and we'll do it. God said, are you sure? I want you here. You're my people. I want you to hear me. I don't want an intermediary. That's why today we only have one intermediary, man, Jesus Christ, between God and man. God didn't want to give them the law. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 22 and on you can read it it says God says he hated the sacrifice of animals which he never wanted to give man man demanded this and God said I'm not evil I'm a good God you guys are asking for somebody to reveal me to you when in reality I want to reveal myself to you nobody's going to portray God better than Jesus himself nobody 
Neither you, neither I. He's a loving Father. Anybody in the house that never confessed Jesus as his Lord? Anybody in the house, please. Everybody here knows Jesus. You know, sometimes when you hear a message like this, you think you're being born again, again. Because you think, wow, I thought I knew him. Now we start knowing more and more the heart of a loving father. Raise your hands if you believe that he's a loving father. Father, I thank you for each and every one of my brothers' presence, brothers and sisters. I thank you for your children. I thank you for giving us the honor to know you a little more. To know and not only know, to portray who you are with our surroundings. To reveal your goodness, Lord. To keep shut when we don't have to talk. And just walk it out. That we can hear more than what we speak. That we can believe that through the ears you can produce the will to do. Without saying a word. Just walking based on who you are. I thank you for the lives of every one of my brothers and sisters present today. Everyone that's listening through media, Lord. Thank you for imparting your word into their lives. I thank you, Father. I thank you. We bless our pastors, our senior pastors in this place, the pastoral family in Jesus' name. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for what you're doing in our midst through them. This is a year of strengthening, Lord, and you are strengthening us by reminding you, the Bible says in Romans, Lord, you said that Abraham strengthened himself, giving praise unto God, giving glory. He was projecting what you told him back onto you, his word, quoting his, your scriptures, your word back to you. And he was strengthening himself by listening to the promises you gave him. This is our year of strengthening. Thank you for strengthening us, Lord. Love you, we bless you, we magnify.